This is Comscope Crosstalk. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Reardon. Now, if there's one thing we learned from the way the world responded to COVID, it's the fact that hospitals need to get smarter. I mean, it makes sense, right? Today, we have smartphones, smart homes, smart cars, smart buildings. Everything seems to be getting smarter. It's only logical that we consider how to make our modern hospitals smart. The results can literally be life-changing. Returning to the podcast today is John Daniels, Chief Executive Officer of Bixie. Welcome back to the podcast, John. Hey, Mike. Thanks, man. It's great to be back. Well, it's great to have you back. And it's great to be here at Bixie's headquarters in Tampa, Florida. Thanks for having me here. Now, you've been with Bixie for several years, but before that, you worked in the healthcare industry. Can you speak a little about your background in healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. I've, actually, I've only been at Bixie now for almost four years coming up right. uh, soon, so it'll be my four-year anniversary. Nice. Uh, but I'd ha- be happy to talk about my healthcare background. I started off as a behavioral health specialist in the military back in the 80s. And eventually I completed an undergraduate degree in computer science and a graduate degree in health services administration before eventually becoming a hospital administrator and a healthcare chief information officer. And then, of course, just before joining Bixie, I had the opportunity or the privilege of leading a global team of health IT strategists from around the world. Uh, And we were working together to advise hospitals and health systems on how best to use information and communications technology effectively and efficiently. So that's that's sort of what brought me here to Bixie. We we hear the term smart buildings a lot, right? Now we're hearing the term smart hospitals. But what is that? And, And what's different about that from maybe a typical hospital? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think the industry may be still trying to figure that out themselves, at least on the healthcare side. But you know, from my perspective, there's really no difference between a smart building and a hospital, a smart hospital in terms of the ICT infrastructure needed to make a building smart. But what differentiates a smart hospital from other smart buildings is how the infrastructure is used to safely support the delivery of quality health care. And what differentiates a, a smart hospital from a typical hospital could probably be measured by comparing the outcomes of both types of hospitals, the clinical outcomes, right? So from my experience working with hospitals and health systems around the world, I can say that the outcomes of smart hospitals are generally better. For example, I've seen many case studies that demonstrate this uh, specifically, including one particular case study um, that showed how a children's hospital was able to completely eliminate sepsis infections over a 12-month reporting period after implementing an IT solution that streamlined, helped streamline their processes and helped provide an early warning system for the physicians that allowed them to be able to intervene before uh, the situation with the child became life-threatening, right? Uh, suffice it to say that any hospital or any other building or facility where healthcare is delivered can become a smart building if they implement ICT correctly. Interesting, interesting. So, so what are the operational differences then? Yeah, so like, like any other building, hospitals rely on data, voice, and other connected technologies and systems to operate. However, the convergence of a lot of these technologies continues to increase the demand and need for well-designed systems and adequate space to accommodate them, as we talk about in the Bixie's TDMM, uh, but to do so without encroaching on prime patient care space. So smart buildings and smart hospitals leverage similar technology that are intended to improve efficiency, 
safety functionality, but their operational differences in terms of ICT revolve around the specific needs and applications. Um, in addition to building systems such as heating and cooling and plumbing, electrical, fire alarm and fire suppression systems, uh, and of course phone and, and data communications, hospitals also need medical gas systems, security systems, noise control systems, uh, and many other specialized medical technology systems. Uh, so designing, integrating, and implementing these specialized systems can be incredibly complex and certainly demands careful planning. Uh, compliance with stringent regulations and certainly adherence to healthcare specific guidelines that are focused on ensuring patient safety, infection control, and, and the efficient uh, delivery of healthcare. So, just to give you a few examples, smart hospitals uh, rely on, um, they heavily rely on various medical systems such as electronic health records or EHRs, right? They also rely on medical imaging devices, patient monitoring systems, and a lot of specialized equipment like smart beds and wearable monitors and infusion pumps and patient tracking sensors and other specialized communication systems specifically for nurses like the nurse call systems, real-time location services or RTLS to help track staff and, and certainly equipment in the hospital. And then for communication platforms that they use for emergency response management. Um, other examples include some telemedicine and remote care solutions for online visits or for monitoring patients at home. Uh, in essence, while both smart buildings and smart hospitals use ICT for automation, monitoring, and efficiency, smart hospitals have more specialized and stringent requirements due to the critical nature of the healthcare services and, and of course, the need to prioritize patient care, privacy, and regulatory compliance. I hear the term integrated healthcare, right? We hear that a lot these days. What's the difference between a smart, health, a smart hospital and integrative healthcare? So, that's another great question. Integrated healthcare and smart hospitals are related concepts in the realm of modern healthcare, but they focus on different aspects of healthcare delivery and technology. So integrated healthcare is a broader concept that refers to a coordinated and comprehensive approach to healthcare delivery. So it involves bringing together various healthcare providers uh, and facilities and different services to ensure that the patients receive seamless and continuous care across many different care settings and in different stages of their health journey, right? So integrated healthcare focuses more on collaboration with information sharing among uh, the caregivers with an emphasis on the, the continuity of care, which I mentioned, right? So smart hospitals, on the other hand, uh, they leverage advanced technologies, data, connectivity to help providers deliver that care with improved efficiency, effectiveness, and patient experience within a hospital setting. So, smart hospitals can be part of an integrated healthcare model because of the vital role that ICT can play in the model, and then the ICT infrastructure serves as the backbone, the backbone of an integrated healthcare model because it facilitates that seamless communication and information sharing and exchange among all of the healthcare providers that are operating in that integrated healthcare model. So, imagine a scenario where ICT-enabled systems uh, seamlessly connect primary care physicians, specialists, mental health professionals, providing them with a 
holistic view of a patient's health, leading to precise diagnoses and tailored treatment plans. And then the, the technologies that go into a smart hospital help pull that together and allow that information sharing to take place. Well, what about the advances in telehealth, right? So remote health operations and procedures, what about that? Yeah, so telemedicine is a great tool that's available to smart hospitals and other providers in an integrated healthcare model. Advances in uh, telehealth and remote healthcare have uh, actually revolutionized the medical landscape, offering unprecedented accessibility, efficiency, and certainly personalized care. Telehealth technologies have enabled real-time virtual consultations between patients and the healthcare providers. They help facilitate diagnosis, treatment, and monitoring of various conditions from the comfort of the patient's home, if you will. And I've personally used a telemedicine visit myself a few times, especially during the pandemic. I even bought and used a, um, a home otoscope because I had it, you know, ear pain or what have you. So I used the otoscope and allowed the, the remote doctor to virtually see in my ear to see whether or not I had an infection in my eardrum or not. And it actually turned out really well. I didn't have to go to the doctor, right? So at least in person. That's great. So there are other examples of uh, remote patient monitoring devices, wearable sensors, and other IoT-enabled tools that collect real-time health data. So these technologies empower physicians to remotely track patients, uh, track their vital signs, track their health status. I've even visited a hospital, in fact, in China, where they had um, devices that, that were across the room and with the patient sitting in a chair, that device was able to monitor the patient's vital signs, their blood pressure, their temperature, and, and others, and then sending that data back to the physician at the hospital and adding that to the patient's electronic medical record, all in the comf you know, comfort of the patient's home, right? So, so that's pretty cool. That's fantastic. These technologies, though, they, they really do empower physicians to remotely track patients' Uh, vital signs and that sort of thing. So overall, these advancements have not only expanded access to healthcare, they've actually, especially, well, especially in remote areas, right, where it may be hard to get to a doctor and in some of those underserved areas, but they've also enhanced operational efficiency. They've reduced healthcare costs. They've improved patient outcomes by fostering this continuous proactive care approach beyond the traditional clinical settings that we're used to, going to the doctor's office or going to a hospital. Interesting. And you're, you're in a really unique situation yourself because not only do you have the visibility of the ICT industry in your role, but your, your background in healthcare. With all of these advances in healthcare, what is the forecasted impact on the ICT industry? Oh, man. Sorry, I forgot to bring my crystal ball. <laughs> uh, man, if I had the power to answer that question uh, definitively, I, I don't know that I would be sitting here. I'd probably be sitting someplace else. But it, it's really an unknown, but I can say that the, the evolving landscape of healthcare technology, particularly around AI, mm. uh, is going to contribute to the transformation of global ICT infrastructure significantly. So we'll see this transformation in the expansion of and, and reinforcement of data centers and cloud systems, which is uh, being driven by the massive growth of data that obviously has been driven by AI, right? So in healthcare, we're talking about the massive growth of sensitive health data streaming from remote monitoring devices, telehealth platforms, and maybe the AI-powered tools and analytics that, that are going to be used by hospitals and providers extensively throughout the healthcare ecosystem and, and the care, healthcare journey, right? So we may already be seeing this with the use of edge computing to create 
localized data centers closer to the data sources, or even grid computing. That seems to be a, a, a trend as well. So if you talk to Craig Scroge, who is the CEO of NextDC, based out in Australia, he says that the growth of data centers today is mind-boggling. And I actually saw some data that he provided at a conference in uh, Brisbane uh, about a month ago or so. So looking to tomorrow, what we're going to see is data centers popping up in some pretty interesting places. So for example, Chris Stott, who happens to be the founder and CEO of Lone Star Data Holdings, um, his company is working to put the first data center on the moon. So, uh, and I think it'll probably happen much sooner than we think. Wow. So this transformation in data center, in the data center space, I think is going to require a robust network communications infrastructure, which is driving the expansion and optimization of things, uh, of technology like 5G, and we'll probably see 6G and, and other Gs coming out uh, maybe quicker than expected. But they're driving those, the optimization of those capabilities to ensure high-speed, low-latency connectivity that will be critical for remote healthcare delivery and operations. Um, and of course, we can't talk about the exponential growth of data without mentioning cybersecurity, especially in healthcare. The value of healthcare data is said to be many times greater than the value of other data that's out there. Wow. So AI and, and this growth is going to drive even more encryption, authentication, and other protective measures to safeguard this patient information. And then finally, I'd say that the ICT infrastructure in healthcare will have to adjust to the proliferation of all these IoT devices that are, that are being, you know, that we're seeing. Uh, they're going to have to focus on building a scalable network environment that allows these devices to connect effortlessly and certainly be able to work together so we can achieve that integrated healthcare model, right? And that's one of the most common issues that I've seen over the past 30 years, you know, working with hospitals and health systems around the world that is, the, is the lack of a robust, scalable network architecture that would support the proliferation of all these new technologies that are being plugged into the network. And as you can imagine, this creates a lot of challenges for the clinicians trying to take care of patients. So look, the healthcare industry is, they're going to have to prioritize seamless connectivity or interoperability, which is an ongoing challenge for them. And to ensure that the network can support reliable and secure data sharing communications between those devices without any interruptions or complications or any of that. So I'd say scalability and flexibility are going to be critically important to the transformation of healthcare using information and communications technology. So Bixie is not just focused on the ICT industry, but focused on the development of the people behind the ICT industry. Yep. How might all of this impact affect the people that are in this industry, not just the people that are there now, but future ICT professionals? Yeah, so, so that's another great question. And you're right, we do focus on the development of the professionals that are working in the industry. I'm sure you've heard someone say, and I'm, maybe you've heard, heard me say it, but you know, I like to be a lifelong learner. I'm, I'm always trying to learn something new and learn something new about the technology and, and the stuff I've been learning about AI. And most recently, uh, QSTAR which what I'm understanding has evolved from Q-learning as it relates to the development of artificial generative intelligence, which is sort of the next step that people seem to be worried about, right? So being a lifelong learner is really important. You want to be able to, to um, continue to approach your career with the idea that you want to learn, keep learning new things, following the new trends, and, and approaching your career from a lifelong learning perspective. 
Why? Because the industry is going to continue to evolve. Um, innovation isn't going to stop and wait for us to catch up. So I suspect that new technologies are going to drive new types of jobs in our industry as well. Uh, and again, talking about AI, that's a great example where we're seeing this happen, right? So we're already seeing many new jobs being created that did not exist just two years ago, right? So like deep learning engineers, AI chatbot developers, prompt engineers, and data annotators, and stable diffusion and dolly artists, open AI codec specialists, and, and you know, the list goes on. So these are jobs that didn't exist a couple of years ago. and and. Recently, I read that the World Economic Forum predicts that 97 million new jobs are going to be created by 2025. That's only a couple of years from now, man. That's crazy. So, and that's all because of AI, right? So, so think about what that might mean for ICT professionals, right? So there's many big CRCDDs out there around the world. And, and I wonder, you know, do you think AI is going to change how they design network architectures in the future? I would think so. I'm sure there's tools that are being developed to help them with that design process, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we look five years out, I, I like to think how will RCDDs use AI to help them design their projects? How will AI tools be used to, and even robots, used to help installers install copper and fiber cable plants, right? How will AI tools help ICT project managers keep projects within scope and on time and, and within, you know, budget or below budget, better than budget, right? And if folks are worried about being replaced by AI, then why not start upskilling yourself now on or even your employees so that you'll be ready to take on a new role perhaps or even help develop and implement the AI systems that big CRCDDs and DCDCs and OSPs and RTPMs and all the installers out there are going to need, sure. you know? And so these are the things that I'm thinking about especially in terms of Bixie's ability to help ICT professionals around the world to thrive before, during, and after this incredible transformation that, that's happening. So how do you see Bixie's influence evolving in this particular space? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the same advice that I, I gave just a few minutes ago about how ICT professionals should be willing to continue learning new things uh, and have that sort of that lifelong learning mindset, right? So Bixie has to remain focused on its mission which I've mentioned a couple of minutes ago of what our mission was, right, to advance the ICT profession. This advice can also apply to Bixie as an organization as well, right? So this great organization needs to adapt and be willing to change and evolve and transform just as technology is doing all around us. So Bixie can't be a relevant influence if it's not changing with the times, and that's exactly what we're doing now. I can say that we've had lots of internal conversations with our board and among staff about how to do this quickly, uh, effectively, and efficiently, again, while maintaining our laser-eyed focus on our mission. Hasn't been easy, but while we've had some resistance and distraction from a few folks, we're making extraordinary progress. And for example, we held our first um, board elections this year under a new and transformative governance structure. And so our new 2024 board directors uh, are strategic-minded, they're ICT professional leaders who were elected entirely on the demonstrated skills and competencies. So I'm excited to see that our new board is now poised to help guide Bixie through this organizational transformation so that we can do what we're here to do. That's great. John, this has been another great conversation. 
thank you so much for making the time to, to do this with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity. And I certainly appreciate ComScope for allowing you to spend some time with us and help us uh, tell Big C's story and get the word out that, you know, we're, we're here to stay and, and we're going to grow and evolve and we're going to help them as well. So thanks for the opportunity to have that conversation. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And thank all of you for joining us. For more information, go to Big C's Hospital Standards at bigc.org forward slash standards. Send comments and questions about this podcast to Comscope Crosstalk at comscope.com. My name is Mike Reardon, and this has been Comscope Crosstalk.